0: Welcome to the Better Off Podcast. Oh, we've got something so special this week. I'm so excited because we have A, a special guest, but B, a new format just for this show. Maybe if it goes well, we'll repeat it. But this is the program that provides unconventional and entertaining insights on your money and life. I'm Jill Schlesinger, and Better Off is sponsored by Betterment, the smarter way to invest your money. So Mark and I have been grappling with just this amazing influx of people who want to get on the air. And we thought, well, you know what would be great is uh, just getting another CFP with us to help answer questions. So what do I do? I I talk to the guys at Betterman. I'm like, got anyone over there who's a CFP who might be decent? And lo and behold, here comes Alex Benke. You are not just a CFP. You're like the CFP extraordinaire of Betterment right
1: yeah I like to say I have two hundred and twenty thousand clients oh probably that's... the most that I have any uh, CFP out there so how long have you been with Betterment I've been there about five years oh almost from the inception almost from the inception yes the and, first CFP at Betterment so how
0: did you get into this were you a CFP who was in a practice or uh, how did you kind of get hooked up with Betterment and what's your what gives a little bit about your past
1: so my first true passion in my career was actually technology. So I started my career as a software engineer at JP Morgan and worked there in total about 10 years. Uh, along the way, became a CFP, joined my father's financial planning practice, and did high net worth wealth advice for about a year. And Wait a minute. Why just a year? Did you not like working with your father? Tell the uh, truth. <laughs> it wasn't It wasn't my father specifically. Um, I, I wasn't doing enough technology there and the uh, the day- to day of being a planner for the next thirty years wasn't my wasn't passion. my passion. The, I loved financial advice, generally. And so betterment was the first place where I was able to do both those things together. That's kind of cool. Is your dad still in practice? He's not. He is 71 this year and uh, has sold his practice a few years ago. Really? And
0: at Betterment, you actually talk to customers at Betterment uh, about their financial stuff, like their real hardcore planning questions?
1: I do. My main job is figuring out what kinds of financial advice we should give through our tools. And I also lead the team that figures out what should be in our portfolios. So I manage that advice and investing team, we call it. Uh, We've recently launched a team of advisors who you can talk to as part of our service. I'm the person that's in charge of figuring out what we will and will not say to people um, and making sure the quality of that advice is high.
0: You know what? Maybe I could be like one of those people who listens in on the line, like those old time sales things. And I can like plug in and be like, no, don't say that. I want I want to get in on this action. Okay, we
1: we do that for ourselves, but we'd love to have you do. That would be fun. Uh,
0: Okay, so this is Alex Benke. He's a CFP. He works at Betterment, which is the sponsor of this program. So, you know, he's going to give his unbiased fiduciary advice to these strangers who are calling. If you're listening and you would like to get onto the podcast... All you have to do is send us an email. Ask Jill at betteroffpodcast dot com. Ask Jill at betteroffpodcast dot com. And Mark, the best producer in the world. Who, by the way, Alex, I should mention, Mark just started taking his CFP classes. Oh wow! Isn't That's that inc- great? Yeah, he so he comes in every week. He's gonna say you're not gonna believe what he said. So, um, so we're gonna coach him through that as well. But we'd love to have you on the air. So, of course. Uh, Let us know, and um, when you send an email, just give us a little background about what your question's about, and then we can, hopefully we'll get Alex on. But really, Alex, it depends on how well you do today.
1: Are you nervous? (laughs) I'm trying my best.
0: Uh, Okay, let's go, and we'll take a caller. Um, Our first caller for this special episode of Better Off is Stefan, who is on the line from Florida. Hey, Stefan, how can we help you out?
2: Hey, thank you for speaking with me. Sure. Um, I'm 32, and I feel like I got a little late start to retiring Um, I've done some planning in the past year and unfortunately I left out planning for a home and I'm trying to figure out how to allocate planning for a home without wrecking the retirement plans I've already put in place
0: okay first tell us a little bit more so you're 32 years old how much do you earn right now Stefan
2: Uh, between eighty and a hundred thousand
0: okay and you, are you saving for retirement?
2: Yes. In the past year, I've maxed out my 401k. I've opened a Roth, and I have that maxed out. I have some savings for emergencies stashed aside, and I've also opened a Betterment portfolio. All right. Wait a second.
0: So you're maxing out a 401k, so eighteen grand in a 401k and then 5500 in a Roth as well? Yes. Wow. That's impressive. I'm kind of digging I, this.
2: I, I was I had a job most of my life where I was making under forty thousand, and then when I got a step up in pay, I didn't change my lifestyle. So I live comfortably off about twenty five thousand a year.
0: Oh my god! Uh, so Alex, do you want Stefan to start saving for a house or not? What do you think?
1: Well, it sounds like you have uh, some some great progress here, uh, and you know, living living below your means is uh, is a key. Uh, step. Uh, normally, emergency fund and retirement are your first goals, and it uh, looks like you've, you've sorted that out. It's not necessarily enough to just max out those accounts, so I'm generally against rules of thumb uh, and, and like to have you use some tools. You know, if you want to have uh, a completely different standard of living in retirement than you, than you do now, um, then that might mean you have to save uh, a different amount. How much do you pay in rent?
2: Between me and my wife, uh, my portion is probably about 25 percent, so 400 Oh,
0: my God. That's so cheap. I mean, I, 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 mean, I hate to say that because here's the, here's the thing. You live in Florida. I don't know what the market is. I don't know what part of Florida you're in. But, I mean, you, you have this awesome cash flow right now between you and your wife, it sounds like. She, is she also maxing out her retirement accounts?
2: No, she's not. So hmm, Interesting.
0: Do you have kids? no I mean besides the idea of just like oh I want to own something is there something else compelling you about buying versus maintaining this cheap rent
2: absolutely my plan for retirement is I want to have some passive income so I'm looking to have at least a few single-family homes that I can rent out
3: a
0: few that's a lot to take on what do you think about that Alex
1: So that's a little different than I was thinking. I was thinking your primary home was what you were looking to buy. It sounds like you want to get some passive real estate investments uh, for income. Is that something you want to get going now, or it's just something in the future?
2: It's it's something in the future. It's just I know the first step is I need to have a primary home. Um, I figured I'd invest in a a home for myself, and then a couple years, rent that out, invest in another home, and just move on that way.
0: I feel like it's 2005 all over again. I'm going to just <laughs> go become, you know, multiple landlord, owner. What do you do for a living, Stefan?
2: Uh, I'm a senior debt consultant for, uh, that specializes in taxes.
0: Oh, interesting. Okay. Uh, you know what? I, I don't know. I, I don't feel like I'm excited about this game plan. I get that you want passive income, but there's a huge amount of risk in tying up money in creating that income stream. So in my mind, I don't know what you think, Alex, I sort of feel like, you know, it might be interesting in the future to consider this, but number one, I want more money pumping into that retirement and Roth account and and for he and his wife to both be maxing out. When they're both maxing out, if they then can afford to start putting some money away and maybe save for a down payment and start with just their own home, okay, great, but I don't feel like that's happening anytime soon. What do you think?
1: Tell me a little bit, Stefan, about your your relationship with your wife in terms of money. Um, why is it that uh, you are, are not both maxing out? Do you have a different philosophy there?
2: We both kind of keep our finances separate. Okay. Um, basically, she takes care of a majority of the household bills, rent, utilities, and I take care of everything else. So it's kind of an even balance. But she has a lot of student loan debt that is eating up most of her money. Dude, and didn't
0: you learn the the golden rule, which is do not marry somebody who's got student loan debt? <laughs> what what happened to you? Did you not get that memo?
2: She, she works for the, the Fed, so <laughs> she's got about five years left before she gets some forgiveness.
0: Oh, she's in the forbearance program? That's awesome. That's good. All right, I'm going to just weigh in and say... I think that you should take your time I I know that you've got this idea in your mind about the passive income I think you're gonna create your own passive income stream I think your guys you know basically you know the deal she's gonna pay down her debt she's gonna max out her retirement account you're gonna keep maxing out you're then gonna start looking at whether or not buying a primary residence for you guys is doable And it may be that renting is better for you for a while. It may be that that cash flow is better used towards piling money into your retirement accounts rather than tying it up in a down payment. But once you actually get to the point where you're ready to buy your home, you'll run your numbers, you'll put your 20% down, you'll hopefully get a cheap mortgage. Don't go crazy with this concept of, I'm going to own you know, three or four different properties. That's going to be passive income. I feel like we've learnt, lived through this lesson before, Alex, in that you know, we really have to caution Stefan and other people out there that these ideas that you create early in your life, you have to be flexible enough to let them kind of germinate and take care of all the other parts of your financial planning picture before you start sort of chasing that dream. And I really, after you know, giving people tons of advice around being landlords. One of the other things that makes me nervous is, if you've never been a
1: landlord, it's hard to be a landlord.
0: It's very hard to be a landlord. Stefan, thank you so much for calling. We really appreciate it. How was that, Alex, your first one?
1: little put off by the situation I wasn't I, you I didn't mean, expect he, he, that yeah, he didn't you see
0: know, so what so what happens fun. is we get a little like background like here's what he wants and then all of a sudden boom we get excited by a little shift <laughs> in tone here all right uh next up we've got Howard who is on the line from Atlanta hello Howard welcome to better off how are you well, I'm just fine, Jill. How are you? Good. Now, meet Alex Benke. He is from Better a CFP there. He's trying to help me out today. This is so I can goof off a little bit, but I will pay okay. attention to your call. Tell me about what's going on. How can we help you out?
4: Well, I just have a general, you know, uh, how am I doing sort of question. Uh, I just wanted to have an outside pair of eyes, kind of like yourself and Alex, uh, just to maybe, I don't know, take a look at my how I'm doing my portfolio and maybe give me some ideas. I uh, just to give you a little background about myself. I'm a college business professor here ah. in one of the local colleges. Yeah, here in Atlanta. I've always been a pretty prodigious saver. Uh, I grew up in that sort of environment. My parents encouraged me. My brother uh, was always into that kind of thing. So from a pretty young age, I was really into that. I, I remember I did my first net worth statement when I was about 16 years old, actually. So it's something <laughs> I've always enjoyed.
0: I like this but, uh, I, but I like this idea of having conjuring up like Howard, Howard's friends are going to a concert. They're like, oh, we're going to go see the Red Hot Chili Peppers. And Howard's like, oh, I'm sorry. I have to do my net worth right now. I'm going to do a balance sheet. I'll be with you in it later.
4: <laughs> that's right. That's right. But I always enjoyed it. And, uh, you know, I, I really believe in doing that kind of thing. As I've as I've gotten older, of course, that kind of thing has gotten a little more sophisticated. I've gone from paper and pencil into spreadsheets and stuff like that. But uh, I have uh, here at my school, I have a 457, a 403b, and then something called a 401a, yep. which is what they call uh, an optional retirement program yes. instead of the, the pension. Yep, uh, you you all are probably uh, familiar with that, but. Um, I have from this school and my previous institution about uh, three eighty three eighty five uh, spread among those three accounts. Okay. Um, I have about one eighty five in my Roth IRA. Great. I have about one ten in a taxable account. Uh, about ten thousand dollars in an HSA and um uh, about seven thousand in a five twenty nine. Uh, my fiance and I actually have a little one and a half year old. I'm I'm forty three, so I we started a little bit late but um but she's one and a half and so my parents helped us to fund a, a 529.
0: Oh, I for, love your parents. Which 529 plan is that? Is it a Georgia plan, or is it one where your parents live? And are you the the uh, the owner of that account, and the kids the beneficiary, or are your parents the owners of that account?
4: Well, no, they just gifted me the money, and I put it into my brokerage account. It's not necessarily a Georgia account, uh, and I know there are some benefits to doing it in your particular state, but. Because I, I had my other money in a brokerage account. I just thought, you know, let me just have it under one roof.
0: Mm-hmm. Got it. And, uh,
4: Georgia's Georgia's plan was a little bit strange. I just didn't feel comfortable, I, I guess, uh, okay. putting it with the, the Georgia plan. So at any rate, so that's where I am uh, in terms of liquidity, what I have saved and so forth.
0: Three eighty sure. in the deferred retirement, one hundred eighty five right. in the Roth, one ten in a brokerage account, ten grand in an HSA. You're about to get married. You got a kid. Seven grand in a college fund, and it sounds like you're putting money pretty aggressively into your retirement accounts. Are you, first of all, number one, yeah. are you maxing your retirement out right now? Yeah,
4: yeah. Okay. Uh, I max out the four fifty seven and the four hundred three b. Great, uh, because in the university setting because it's government. Also, I'm able to max both of those out. And that really brings down my my adjusted, my adjusted income. That's so awesome. That helps a lot. Yeah.
0: How are you investing? You said you've got uh, now in those accounts, you're managing that yourself. So right. first of all, what's the asset allocation look like approximately?
4: it's about 7030.
0: Okay. Stock to bond. Are you managing you said, you know, 110 grand in a non-retirement account, right. a brokerage. Account. Are you managing that or Are you working with a financial planner or a stock broker? What is what's going on in that account?
4: I'm managing it myself, really.
0: And what are you putting in that that account? What kind of assets?
4: Uh, just index funds basically, so index stock funds, index bond funds. Uh, I have, within my bond holdings, I, I have uh, just sort of an a overall bond index fund, and then I recently took some of that and put into a, a short-term bond fund, uh, because I, I've heard you, you speak about this, and I've read this in other places. With uh, interest rates on the rise, perhaps, it might be good to shorten our duration. Mm-hmm. So. I did a little of that uh, just recently. In fact, in the last couple of weeks, that's basically what I'm what I'm doing in terms of investing. Uh, you know, it's it's all pretty much index funds, even through the school. Great. That's um, awesome. I'm able to, yeah, I have some pretty good choices through the university and I'm um, able to do index funds there, too. But,
0: and and uh, when are you getting married? Well, we don't
4: have any firm plans. Of she would actually...
0: Oh, one of those. Possible. Mm-hmm. Mm.
4: <laughs> but, you know, I'm open to it. And, you know, we, uh, we have the little girl. And so you know, we were thinking
1: maybe sometime in the fall.
0: What do you think about Howard's plan so far? You liking what you hear?
1: I mean, I think the, the savings amount you've managed to do and what you do uh, year to year is excellent. Um, uh-huh. the, the 70-30 overall one question I had is this taxable money, what's it for? Uh, are you thinking of that as your long-term uh, investment money as well for, say, retirement? Or are you earmarking part of that for a wedding? Uh, are you going to divert some of it into a 529 to, to try to increase that? What's, what are you thinking there?
4: Well, those are good questions. I, I really haven't pinpointed a specific use. I'm thinking that uh i always had it in the back of my mind that i might try to retire a little early uh maybe before i can tap into some of the uh, retirement money before age 59 and a half and uh, i thought that might be sort of my my first bucket so to speak yep. uh the first money that i that i tap into but you know it's for different things i guess i mean it could be for a wedding it could be for you know maybe just an emergency it, it just you know, a variety of things, um, but I, I guess the, the main the main thing that I had in the back of my mind is, well, you know, if I retire, let's say, before age 59 and a half, I might be able to tap that money. Uh, as sort of my my first bucket of funds.
0: Let me dispel kind of that down. early retirement myth for you right now. Okay, let me just pop that little bubble for a moment, and that is, um, remember the part where you said to me you had a one and a half year old daughter. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. So I um I get what you're saying. I I would say that. It depends how much you and your wife really want to be kicking into you, this college fund. I mean, first of all, I, again, I don't know exactly what it's in, but like I believe if if, if the Georgia plan is not such a hot 529 plan, there are three or four different state 529 plans that don't have a special residency requirement that are really good plans. Nevada. Utah, Alaska, Maryland, these are all great plans. So, Mm -hmm. I, I mean, they're cheap and they're really effective. So, if you are going to start to put more money into that 529 plan, which is really, it would be diverting some of this money from your, you know, slush fund, maybe, let's call it supplemental retirement savings into education. And if you're going to do that, then I really think it's important for you to have the right kind of 529 plan, which is an efficient plan with good, um, low-cost options.
1: But the question, Jill, is how much? So I'm I'm big into doing the calculations. Um, There's great calculators at, say, savingforcollege.com where you can figure out, you know, is maybe 7k is enough based on where your daughter might go to school or maybe it's wholly inadequate and you really have to divert a lot more if you want to pay for a good chunk of her education. The same thing is true for retirement. Generally it looks like you're you've you've saved a lot, but again it depends on how you want to live your retirement and very importantly how early you want to retire. So I'd love to see you use a tool, uh, any there's lots of retirement tools out there. I'm partial to Retire Guide, which is a tool that I built at Betterment. Uh, oh my that-
0: God! Listen to this shameless plug. <laughs> All right, let's. Um, see. What is it? Retire.
1: Retire Guide. Retire uh, Guide. And it just makes it really easy for you to see the trade-off between uh, how much you're saving now, uh, the standard of living that you can have in retirement with that, and again, critically, that retirement age.
0: All right. So, Howard, you've got some homework. Go to retire guide. Um I like the 70/30 is fine. I think the asset allocation makes sense. I think you and your wife really have to sit down and talk about what what amount of money you really feel comfortable putting towards education. And when you have that conversation, it might be good to do it together. Go to the retire guide calculator together and start playing with some of the different numbers and seeing how that might change the calculus. Uh, We thank you so much for calling and uh, give us a holler back. Let us know what you're thinking about. I kind of dig that story, though. I'm going to retire early. No, you're not. (laughs) You're not retiring early. Alex and Jill say, absolutely not. All right. Our next caller here on Better Off, Andrew, who's on the line from Illinois. Hi, Andrew. Welcome to the program. What can we do for you?
5: Yes. Hi. Thanks for having me on. First of all, I just want to say uh, I love the 404 and I love when you're on it. Those are the best episodes.
0: Excellent. You know Um, what? We're going to have the guys on my podcast soon, so you better spread the love,
5: okay? Okay. So my situation is recently my father passed away. Oh, I'm Um, sorry. I think I appreciate that. Um, but he left me um, a fairly large uh, inherited IRA, so he had about six hundred and sixty thousand saved in in, in uh, different four hundred one ks and everything. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I've rolled them all over. I've got them all consolidated, and now I'm just trying to deal with what do I do with the fact that there's an RMD that I have to take every year. Mm-hmm. So you know, my initial thought was, oh well, just leave the money in there, let it grow tax free as much as possible. Um, and just take the RMD each year. Then I started looking at some online calculators, and they're telling me that towards the end of the life, you know, when I have to actually take out all the money, the RMDs are going to be like, you know, $100,000, $200,000. Mm. Know, like a lot, and that's going to push, you know, my taxable income way up. Right. So I'm trying to figure out how can I efficiently take this money out, you know, tax-efficiently take the money out and reinvest it.
0: So for everyone who's just listening, because you threw some little jargon around, I just want to make sure everyone gets it. RMD, required minimum distribution, that's when the government says, you know, hey, if you've got a retirement account at age 70 and a half, you have to start taking the money out. And so in Andrew's father's case, he has to take the money out because this is an inherited IRA. He has to take it out um, within a certain time horizon or as quickly as his father was on track to take it out. You said you're 30, how old?
5: I'm 31 and my my dad was under sixty when he passed away. Mm-hmm. So I have I have my lifetime to take out the, the RMD. I have until I am seventy one to close out the account.
0: And and just tell us a little bit more about yourself. Um are you married? Are you single? Do you have kids? What's going on?
5: Uh I'm married. I have two kids. Uh currently my wife and I make around um like a hundred and twenty thousand a year. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's total, not each. Mm-hmm. I wish it was each. Yeah too bad. <laughs> it's all right. Um you know, we have a decent amount in savings. Um, we have, we own a house. Uh, we're paying it off. Um, we don't have any car payments, don't have any debt.
0: How much money do you have in retirement funds right now? Without Not, uh, not including the inherited IRA, I'm sorry.
5: Uh, so I have a 401k that's got 100000 in it. My wife has like 15000 in her, uh, 403b. Uh, I, I overall, I think it's like close to 400000
0: okay. That's great. Um, Alex, so what do you think about this concept around letting the money inside the inherited IRA continue to grow, right? You get all that tax deferral versus the concept that Andrew brings up, which is, if I let it grow all the way, you know, to decades in the future, then I'm going to be forced to take a big chunk of money out at, you know, at, at a time in my life, I'm not even sure where tax rates are going to be. How does he balance these two com- seemingly competing theses around how do you deal with your deferred retirement accounts?
1: So the thing to remember is that you the, the money that you take out even now is going to hit your, uh, your ordinary income tax bracket. So you don't want to take out too much now. You're going to be forced to take out the RMD, of course. But if you're thinking of taking more in order mm-hmm. to reduce the balance so you don't end up with a huge balance later, um, you have to avoid skipping tax brackets, uh, jumping up tax brackets, causing yourselves more tax issues now. Uh, the other thing at play here is what's your tax bracket in the future versus now. A uh, hundred thousand dollars sounds like a lot of money for the future, but keep in mind that tax brackets are indexed to inflation, so that could still be the 15% tax bracket uh, when when you're done taking the money out. So it might actually not be that much. Um, and then the final thing I always like to to say is taxes in themselves are not horrible, horrible things. It means you actually made money or, or, or have a, a bunch of money so I wouldn't make decisions strictly based on taxes uh, if you do want to if you do have a specific goal beyond this RMD now uh, then you know I'm, I'm not against using it for that you just want to watch making uh, uh, jumping those tax brackets
0: what about the idea of say taking some money out a little like you said stay within the bracket right so you take a little bit extra out you know what your tax is going to be today, right? So you you lock that in because we. I mean, on one hand, you're right. Taxes could go down in the future, but Andrew could also earn more in the future, and tax rates could go up in the future. We don't know, but locking in that some of that tax liability today, using whatever is net of the distribution, he's got a couple kids, maybe put some money away. What do you you, you like that idea?
1: Yeah, I think it's a great idea. Um, You know, do some of the math. Make sure that you're not, say, overfunding uh, a 529 for your kids because you don't want the penalties if that happens. Uh, So figure out what's the right amount to not jump the tax bracket now and cause yourself a current problem, but also hit these other goals like a 529.
0: Andrew, how's that sound to you? You you liking that? Like, I, I think that that makes sense to me. And look. If things are changing or, frankly, if tax rates were to go down dramatically because, uh, you know, under the Trump administration, we see a big reduction in rates, maybe you would even accelerate to be able to take some more money out. I don't know. How do you feel about that game plan, Andrew?
5: I like it. I think it's a good idea.
0: I think so too. Um, and and I would just remind you that just sit down with your wife, make sure that you guys are on the same page. We're kind of banging this drum a little bit as well. Get some of that money out. Just careful around the tax bracket. Thanks for calling, Andrew. Are you having fun, Alex?
1: Yeah, yeah this is great.
0: Alex right. Banky is CFP at Betterment. Betterment is the sponsor of this podcast, so you know I got to plug them a little bit. And uh, so you got a bunch of calculators. That you've designed, huh? We do. Yep, that's that's my job. To what make, make, what uh, what's your favorite calculator? Do you like to just play with your own net worth on your own calculator? <laughs> like, cool I wonder when I could. Like, you might do one, which is like, oh, if Betterment went public, this is what my retirement <laughs> would look like. <laughs> what's your favorite calculator? We actually
1: do have a calculator like that. Actually, um, that uh, anybody who has uh, stock options can use. Oh, but, really? That's awesome. Um, my, uh, Retire Guide is my is my favorite. I. I built it because I didn't like any of the other ones that are out there. Um, all of them take uh, shortcuts that really hurt people, uh, like like not taking taxes into account, not taking inflation into account. Uh, so this does all those things, takes the, the full picture of all of your money.
0: Do you guys program in what the inflation rate will be? Do you have an assumption?
1: We do. We have a default, and you can override it if you, if you disagree with that. What's your default? Today, it's 3%. Uh, oh, so
0: it's about
1: 1% faster than we're running. It's a little conservative. Uh, it's actually an area of research for my team right now. We're thinking about bumping that back to what's been the longer term trend to run two.
0: I like to do, this is what I think. I like to assume three. I used to do my planning. You know how old I am? We used to do our planning at four. Um, but I like three because in the worst case scenario, you end up with too much money. Oh yep. my God, how horrible. I've got too much money, right? Yep.
1: We try to build conservative assumptions in across the board. Um, but, uh, and again, anybody can change uh, wh- what they want if they have a different feeling. You could use four if you want.
0: All right. I'm uh, going to, I'm going to just, you know, sit on top of my money when there's no inflation. Alex Benke is the CFP at Betterment, and he's here helping us answer your questions. Okay. Next up, we've got Peter, who's on the line from Michigan. Hello, Peter. Welcome to the Better Off Podcast. How are you?
3: been great. How about you?
0: Fantastic. What's going on?
3: Okay. So I recently refinanced about $220,000 of student loans at about 5.2%. And I did my taxes. I got a nice refund. I've got a little bit, about $1,200 left over. Um, I have a 401k at work that I um, uh, contribute up to the match. Uh, So the question I have is, so I've got this extra money. um, And when windfalls like this come in, does it make more sense to throw it at the student loans where it's essentially an instant 5% return or to put it towards my 401k where it's going to sit a little bit longer and it's going to have more time to grow and possibly, you know, beat 5%?
1: Okay. What do you think, Alex? Yeah, the key trade off here is whether the 401k is going to grow more than that 5.2%. Um, I'd say that's right on the border, um, because you have to consider fees in your 401k. You have to consider the fact that you're going to pay taxes on withdrawals from your 401k. Uh, so so it's right on the edge. When something's right on the edge, I think it comes down to a personal decision. How does that debt make you feel? If it's yeah. it something that you don't feel comfortable at night having for the next 20 years, then absolutely pay it off first. Um, I don't think the decision between these two things is going to make a massive difference in the dollars at the end of the day.
0: So what do you think? How First of all, how old are you? I'm thirty. Two hundred twenty thousand dollars in student loan debt. Are you insane? What, what? How did you get all that debt? What? Are you a um, a physician, a lawyer? What? What? What's going on
3: with you? I'm a patent lawyer, and law school is very expensive. Oh. So it. <laughs> is it's it worth? The... They got the job. All right. It, yeah. Oh my god. <laughs> god. But yeah, yeah, it's it's. Uh...
0: <sighs> okay, so let me ask you this: um, Does it does you keep you up at night? I mean, how do you feel about that debt?
3: Now that I refinance, I mean, it's not so bad. Like, I'm on a plan to pay it off in about 15 to 20 years. Um, I don't mind. I mean, it's definitely a big expense. And I, you know, I wouldn't mind throwing the extra money at it. Um, I just kind of want to, you know, it, do I want to see where I'm going to be in 20 years or where I'm going to be in 40 years? And I'm still trying to figure that out. Yeah. How much do you earn? Uh, one
0: thirty. Alex, what would you do if this were you? What would you do? It's a, like again, it's sort of a personal preference, Peter. So we're just gonna talk like now. We'll just sure. give you like our, our color commentary here. So Alex, what would you do if that were you?
1: Yeah. So it's a close trade off. I think it it would probably trend more towards the four hundred one k in terms of outperforming uh, the five point two percent if you've invested it well. Uh, the other thing is with your With being an attorney, uh, your salary will probably go up, hopefully significantly, from uh, now over the next, say, 20 years. So over time, you will be able to divert more and more towards paying off the loans because you're going to be maxed out in in what you can put into your retirement accounts. So I think you're going to be able to pay it off early. um, And you can go for the the 401k now uh, and get even more tax deferred growth because you have so many more years now.
0: And Peter, are you leaning that way? Are you leaning more towards um, the student loans or the retirement account?
3: If you asked me an hour ago, probably towards the student loans. um, Back when they were the federal loans and at 7%, it was an easier decision. Mm -hmm. Yes. At 5, 22%, it was, you I'm calling again to get some advice. Um, No, that's, it's a Going with the 401k, I, I kind of agree that there's you know it's got more time to develop, and yeah, that is the hope that my salary will increase to help pay that off. But uh, oh, it's, a, um, it's an interesting decision.
0: Yes. Uh, now I will give you my decision. Are you ready? Do you want to know what an old fart I am? I'm like, pay down that 5.2% and I'll take my guarantee. I don't know where there is a guarantee of a 5.2% return on a fixed investment right now. So here's how I would look at it. This this may show you again how old I am and um what a wimp I am, but I think of the student loan debt as part of my fixed investments. I would say like I'm um, you know, and I would say, Oh, you know what? I don't have a fixed income investment where I can get a five point two percent guarantee. There it is. So I Jill, maybe not even, and it's probably not even the smarter financial decision, but I would, in my mind, would much prefer whacking down the student loan debt because I can't live with debt, but that's me. I would bet that you guys are correct 30 years from now, it would have been smarter to invest it, but just me personally, I couldn't bear that kind of debt load. So, as much as it may be slightly better off to be an investor in that. Time horizon. I probably would pay down the debt. So, Peter, there you have it. Go forth, multiply, pay down that loan. What do you think about that? Two hundred twenty grand in student loans.
1: Yeah, that's rough. <laughs> did you have a student I, uh, loan? I did. Yeah, not that high, but. Uh, what do you mean? Your father okay. was a financial planner. <laughs> he made you
0: take out loans.
1: Yeah, I I went to Cornell,
0: so. The Big Red, something like that, isn't it? The Big, big Red. red? Yep, big all right. Red. All right. So, Alex Benke, CFP extraordinaire from Betterment. How was your first day of fielding questions on the Better Off podcast?
1: Uh, it was a lot of fun. Really? That you had me on to do this. I'd love if we could do it more. Well,
0: um, I don't know. But... Let's just see how many downloads we get on <laughs> yeah. this because, you know, honestly, this is not about whether I like you. It's yeah. about whether the people like you. So I'm just going to, you know, if they like you and we get good downloads, if basically here's what you've got to do. You've got to hope. That we get more downloads on this episode than we do with your boss, John Stein, (laughs) on his episode. I'm kind of thinking it's close.
1: I love the data-driven thinking there. (laughs) That's exactly
0: right. I'm sure we will have you back again. Alex Banky CFP from Betterman. thank you so much for joining us. I really I like to help also because uh, this way again I can goof off a little bit more. Thanks for having me Jill. okay, that's the show. remember if you have a financial question, it doesn't matter whether it's an investment question, it's a retirement question, a tax question, maybe it's a student loan question. I don't know send us an email ask Jill at betteroffpodcast.com that's ask Jill at betteroffpodcast.com. We will arrange to get you on the show live. And don't forget, we want subscribers. And Alex Benke, he needs subscribers to this episode to see if we'll get back on the air. So please become a subscriber anywhere you get your podcast stuff. iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, SoundCloud, whatever it is. And uh, leave us a rating because we'd love to hear from you. And don't forget, we've got a new episode live for you next Thursday. And every Tuesday, don't forget about the bonus call of the week. Better Off is sponsored by Betterment. Our music is composed by Joel Goodman. Mark D'Alessio produces. I'm Jill Schlesinger. See you next week.